Testament book sometimes, there's, uh, we go through a little bit of a hurry, and, uh, but there's some incredible things in this book of Numbers, and uh, really the title of it is Walking and Wandering, Walking and Wandering, because the people of Israel spent a lot of time wandering in the wilderness in this book, 38 years, 38 years of desert wandering by the Israelites we see unfold in this one book. It's unique. The book of Leviticus covers a period of time just over a month, and this book covers a period of time some 38 years. And uh, some incredible truths here from the book of Numbers. But Numbers chapter 14, and uh, well, let's go with verse 26. Let's start in verse 26. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel which they murmur against me. Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me. Doubtless ye shall not come into the land, concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb, uh, the son of Jephthah, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones, which ye said should be a prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which ye have despised. But as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in the wilderness, and your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years, and bear your, bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. Boy, the Lord seems to be a little upset in that passage of Scripture, doesn't He? And a little upset. And uh, as you know, the Lord had brought them up to the Jordan River, and they, they refused to cross over. Uh, there's the story of the spies that went over. Ten were bad and two were good. And they chose to listen to the wrong crowd. And as a result of it, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until their carcasses, as the Lord said, was laying there in the wilderness. And the book of Numbers describes that, that uh, if you will, that, uh, that 38 years or 38 years of that wandering. It's called the book of Numbers because it includes two numberings of the men of war. The first one is in chapters 1 through 4, and the second one is in chapters 26 through 27. And so we get the name Numbers because in this book God numbered the, the, the men of war. And uh, 600 and some odd thousand, I think it's mentioned here later in my notes, but 600 and some odd uh, thousand people on both occasions. But what's unique about it, we know it to be true, the second numbering, there was less men of war than the first numbering, which you would think would go the opposite direction. But the people were dying in the wilderness. Folks who should have lived died there in the wilderness. As a matter of fact, this book has been described as the longest funeral march in history. Uh, it is that longest for the people of Israel failed because of their unbelief. They could not enter into the promised land. And so they began to wander until the entire generation died in the wilderness. They wandered because of their lack of faith. And it's just a story of a long funeral march of a lot of people who failed to trust God. Uh, when, I, when you read this book, uh, it kind of takes you back to Hebrews and the command, uh, the instruction in Hebrews where it's, the Lord would say, the just shall live by what? faith. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. And here is a crowd of people who failed to trust God. And as a result of it, they died in the wilderness. And then obviously walking later on into the book of Joshua and those that crowd trusted in him. But this book gives that account. These are the key verses. I won't reread them, but the key verses here of, of numbers are the ones we just read, because this is one of the key stories in the whole of the book as they failed to trust God and the consequences. The purpose of this book 
Like in the book of Leviticus before it, Numbers records many of the actual sayings of God. Some 73 times in this book, God is said to be speaking. Some 76 times you see just God unfolding to open up and begin to speak. And uh, much like that we would find in the book of Leviticus, the book of Leviticus covers more of the, act- of the Lord just actually speaking. Now we know the whole of Scripture is the inspiration of God's Word is inspired, but His specific conversations. In Leviticus... We have believers in worship. In Numbers, we have believer, a believer's walk. Leviticus has purity for its theme. Number has a pilgrimage. In Leviticus, we have the believer's position. In Numbers, we have the believer's progress. Leviticus is largely a ceremonial in character. Numbers is mostly historical. Leviticus sets forth our privileges as the people of God. Numbers deals with our responsibility. Faithfulness toward God is the clarion call of Leviticus, and fellowship with God is the call of Numbers. Uh, they wandered in the wilderness in this passage, and it takes our attention. Uh, matter of fact, the wanderings in the wilderness which occupy our attention in this book were brought on by Israel's doubt and disobedience. You see their doubt and disobedience on display in this book, and really the consequences of it. And boy, it just reminds you, I, I think as you look to Genesis, you see how, not only how man came into this world, but you see man's ruin. Exodus, you see man's redemption. Leviticus, you see man's sanctification, their life change. And in, here in the book of Numbers, we see a man's walk or fellowship with the Lord, how we are to walk in the Christian life. We are meant to walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. One day our faith will be sight. One day you and I will see our Savior face to face and all, all that we have trusted in him, we will see. But in the meantime, we're called to walk by faith. And in the book of Numbers, you see that failure of faith, an incredible lesson to us in the Christian life. Christian, we better walk by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. There's an outline here of the book, and, and I'm not going to cover the whole thing this evening. I'll, I'll let you look at all of that later. But uh, fitting out of the nation of Israel for the wilderness march is in chapters 1 through 8. Uh, the first census in chapter 1, and Israel, an Israelite must be able to declare his pedigree. Know who he was in order to serve and fight. Uh, the tribes were laid out. The responsibilities were laid out in the book of Numbers. And it reminded them of where they came from and what the responsibility was. Isn't that true in the Christian life? I think of the armor of God. Uh, your loins girt about with truth and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Uh, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. And uh, as a part of my morning devotions, I'll, I'll kind of pray that and I'll say, dear Lord, I, I'm taking up the, uh, I gird my loins about with truth. Lord, help me to help my life to be led by truth today. I, I want to be reminded of the truths of God's word. I want to build my life upon the truths of God's word. When it comes to that helmet of salvation, I think of our position in Christ. And I'll say, Lord, remind me today that I am your child. Let me live today with a good reminder of who I belong to. And in the book of Numbers, we would see those folks laid out in tribes, and we would see their position or who they were, where they, where they came from. And the Lord reminds us as a Christian to remember who we are and where we came from. To as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become what? The sons of God. We are his children. We have a position in the Lord Jesus Christ, and it should affect our everyday living. And I don't think it's a mistake. I know it's not a mistake by God that he would say exactly who they were and he would begin to give the responsibility specifically when it came to the Levites. The Lord would remind them of that. They had to know where they belonged and a, and a, rally, around with, a rally around their standards. He would lay out exactly where they camped. They need to know where they belonged. I, I believe this, Christian. God has a place of service for every Christian. 
He is something for us all to do, and he has put us here on purpose. And I, I think it's one of the things that the world steals. I know it's one of the things that the world tries to steal from young people. And uh, evolution is the great robber of purpose. It tells us not only that there is no God and there is no path of redemption because you don't need redemption, but it also tells every person who believes it there's no point to your existence. You are here by accident and there is no purpose to you. And yet we know the exact opposite is true, that there is a purpose to every person who came, comes into this world. And uh, I think of that in, in light of our young preaching chapel today. It was on Wednesday instead of Friday for our Thursday luncheon. But I, but I think of uh, just those young people. Boy, I want them to leave. And when they leave our school, not only to know God, know more about God, but know that God has a reason for them being here. And I think, Christian, we should never forget God has a reason for us being here and a reason that we are still here. And that's highlighted in these books as God gave his people purpose in, in the scripture. And you can go through other things that we see in the counting of it, but you see some things as the cleansing of the camp when it came to leprosy and really just a picture of the decaying nature of sin and its effect. And you see those things kind of exemplified. You see the silver trumpets. If you go to chapter 10 verses one through 20, and those trumpets were sounded in the process of moving the people of Israel about and talk about a picture there. We're waiting for a trumpet sound, aren't we? And one day we're out of here, and we're as sure as they had trumpet sound to, to give them direction as the, as the presence of God would move the cloud and the pillar of fire. And, but surely, friend, we, we are waiting for a trumpet. And I think it's not that far away. But we're waiting for a trumpet. And when it sounds, you and I are, are moving up on out of here, and we're going on into glory. But uh, Mount from Sinai to Kadesh, chapters 11 and 20, the failure at Kadesh where they failed to trust God. Uh, the faltering, fumbling, and fussing in the wilderness. They're belly aching about against God and God, how God had to deal with them over and over and over again in the book of, in the book of Numbers. The future generations prepare to enter the lands, chapter 26 through 36. I'm glad, you know, it, it highlighted those verses we read. I like verse 31 that we read. It says, but your little ones, which he said should be a prey, them will I bring in. If you read back a few chapters when they heard about when the spies came back, of course, those 10 bad reports that they came back with, they said, boy, you brought us over here for us, our children to be a prey, for our children to be a prey. And the Lord reminds them, those children that you said would just merely be the prey, when they came into the promised land, you're going to be the prey. Your carcasses are going to stay in the wilderness, but your children are going to cross over and they're going to defeat the, the people of Israel. Uh, you know, a lack of faith, I, I think that sometimes we're, we're afraid that if our children follow the purpose of God, that they might suffer. And I will tell you the opposite is true. If our children follow the purpose of God into some ministry or to some mission field or some place, that our children will be a prey. And in reality, it's not the place of prey. It is the place of God's blessing and provision. I was talking to our young people today and about this charge David gave us to Solomon. And he, he told Solomon there in, in, in the passage of Scripture, he, he, he told him to, to walk, to be a strong and of good, good courage. And, the God had, and to walk according to the word of God. And I said, you know, this world will tell you that if you follow God, it's a miserable existence. But in reality, the opposite is true. It is when you follow God that you find joy and purpose and abundant life, life more abundant. But it's when you follow the world that you become a prey. Those fellows became a prey because they refused to trust God and their carcasses lie in the wilderness. And those who decided to trust the Lord and came over knew great victory in the Christian life. And I think if we're not careful, we, we, we think the cost sometimes is in following God. In reality, the blessing is in following God. And uh, we see that unfold in this passage of Scripture. And uh, generations prepare. Finally, we see Jesus in this book. 
the Messiah would be king. We find that, again, emphasized in Numbers 24, 17. We, we see Christ typified in the bronze serpent that was lifted up. The Lord himself would reference that as those people would murmur against God again. And the Lord would send those serpents into the, into the camp. And God would have him lift up a brazen serpent. And it was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. We see Christ in this book. The water from the rock in Numbers chapter 20. And uh, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I believe, uh, he refers to that rock as Christ. The picture of the water, uh, of the uh, water of life that Christ provides. Go to your New Testament, if you would, and we'll be in the message tonight. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7. And I wish, I hope you have time to read through some of these books before we come to the Wednesday night. But this chapter here in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 19. Lord's looking back, and he uses the writer of Hebrews to look back at what took place in Numbers. And, uh, and we see some incredible things here in, in the Scripture. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 17, it says, or verse 7, I'm sorry, through verse, through verse 19. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost say, saith, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the day of provocation and the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years, Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you in an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom he, was, he grieved forty years, was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Well, I talk about a passage of Scripture, Hebrews chapter 11. We refer to it as a chapter of faith, don't we? Long list of faith listed out in Hebrews chapter 11 as of those who would follow Christ and knew Him. Here we see a, a chapter of doubt. What happened to the doubters? Hebrews chapter 11, God reminds us of those who trusted. In Hebrews chapter 3, God reminds us of those who doubted. That their carcasses fell in the wilderness. They, they didn't get what God had them. The 40 years of wandering and unbelief at Kanesh Barnea are not recorded in the faith chapter of Hebrews 11. Their record of unbelief is recorded in Hebrews 3, 7 through 19. This is the doubting chapter. When people need to trust in God's provision and follow the covenant they had made with him, they failed because of their lack of faith. They broke his covenant and faced the consequences. Well, we see in this passage of scripture a group of people who failed to trust God. I'd rather be in the company of Hebrews chapter 11 than of Hebrews chapter 3, of those who failed. And God gives us the call, the just shall live by faith. Without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and there is a rewarder of them which diligently seek Him. And it is no different today, is it? To trust God. Going back to Solomon, I think of how David said in 1 Kings chapter 3, or, uh, that he looked at Solomon, he said, be strong. Show thyself a man. And, and when you think of David, I, Solomon and David, probably the two greatest kings that Israel ever had. David and that one that God would use to establish his kingdom, Solomon to go on. Both of them had major issues in their life, didn't they? But David looks at Solomon and says, be strong and of good courage. And I don't think there's any doubt that David was a man of strength and courage. 
And probably Solomon felt definitely at times when it came to that, that he was living in his father's shadow. But I think of David in 1 Samuel chapter 17 as he marched down in the face of the Philistine army and that man named Goliath. Saul stood quivering in the background. The armies of Israel stood quivering in the background. Only David stood up and said, is there not a what? A cause. And when he marched out to face Goliath, his confidence wasn't in his abilities. It wasn't in the armor that he bore, but it was in the God who went with him. And David would look at Solomon later in his life as he was about to pass out from this world and he would say, be strong, show thyself a man. Trust in your God. The book of Hebrews is a call to trust in our God. People of Israel came up against the land and they failed to trust in God. I think this, we see from this passage of scripture, faith brings rest, doesn't it? Notice what it said here in verse 18 of Hebrews 3. And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his what? Rest. But to them that believed not. Verse 11 again. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Doubt brings murmuring and complaining. And over and over again the people murmured as they questioned the book of God and God's man. Go to the book of Numbers and read through it. You'll see murmuring seems to be a common thread among the people of God. Why murmur? Why complain? A lack of faith. You know, for the one that's trusting, there's rejoicing even in the presence of trial, isn't there? For the one who's trusting, they they see the the obstacle not as something that's going to defeat them, but something that God's going to do work in a mighty way to show who he is. They're rejoicing in the victories. They're rejoicing in their God. They're resting in who he is. How is it that Joshua and Caleb could walk into the promised land and and they could see it as God has got to do something amazing here in this promised land? And yet 10 would come out murmuring and complaining. There was a separating factor. Two trusted, 10 didn't. And they became the murmurs and the complainers. I, I, I will tell you this, Christian, be, be cautious of the murmuring and the complaining in their life. It reveals our level of faith. It reveals our trust. Because I tell you, when we face the, the, the struggles of life and the trials of life, whether we trust God or not is going to produce something in us, either rejoicing and rest in who he is and what he's going to do, or murmuring and a lack and turmoil in our life because we're failing to trust. Trust, the verse Brother Brother Earl mentioned it just a little bit ago, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall what? Direct thy path. Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I think of those ten spies and the people who followed the, you know, they forgot the promise of God. Look, they knew it. Joseph knew it some 400 years previously. When they went to bury him, the only time the word coffin is mentioned in the Bible is the last chapter of the book of Genesis. And Joseph looked at them and he told them he was about to die. And he said, when I die, he said, don't you leave my bones here in Egypt because the Lord promised that he's going to take you on out of here and into the promised land. When that time comes, you carry my bones with you. And they embalmed him and they put him in a coffin. And some 400 years later, they took his bones with them out of the the land of Egypt, didn't they? I think it's Genesis chapter 15 where the Lord gave Abraham the promise and said, your children are going to go into captivity for 400 years, but then I'm going to bring them out and I'm going to give them this land. Yet somewhere between the plagues, the Red Sea, 
the water from the rock, the manna from heaven, somewhere between that and the river Jordan, they forgot God's promise. They forgot God's promise. I mean, they were dragging a dead man's bones with them because of a promise, but they forgot God's promise. They forgot it. I tell you this, be, be careful with forgetting the promises of God because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the what? The word of God. It is in his promise that we have faith. It's in his promise. And, and they failed. They, they, they failed. They forgot the promises and uh, they forgot the miracles of God. Uh, they forgot the miracles. It amazes me. They came out of Egypt, the world power of its day. And they were worried about the Canaanites. They were worried about the Canaanites. They saw God turn water to blood. Frogs and lice and darkness and hail. They saw God part the Red Sea. And they were worried about some giants in Canaan. Now, I don't mean to beat down on them too hard because I think they're a lot like us. That we face trials in our life and immediately we forget about all the things he's already done. All the other things he's already done to bring us to where we are today. Uh, you look at it, they, they forgot God's promises. They forgot the miracles of God. The people of Israel, Israel listened to the wrong counsel. It amazed me. Twelve spies went in. Came back. Ten were bad, two were good. Joshua and Caleb spoke up. And who did they choose to listen to? The complainers and the murmurers and the doubtful. Isn't that really human nature? Right? We're quick to listen to the murmuring, the complaining, and the doubt than more than we are to the, the, the ones that are leading us in the right direction. I think when it comes to faith, be careful who you follow. And be careful who you follow. That murmuring, that bellyache, and that complaining, that doubt, it will have its effect on you. It will have its effect on you. you, you can, I, I remember one man said, you can, you can choose who your friends are, but you can't choose your, the influence your friends have on you. You can't choose that. It's going to happen. And they chose the wrong counsel. They chose, they forgot the promises, they forgot the miracles, they listened to the wrong crowd, and they saw the struggles and not the Lord. They saw giants. They saw giants, and they didn't see what God could do to giants. That's what they saw. And I think if we're not careful, we, we do, Peter did the same thing, didn't he? The Lord bid, bid him come out to him on the water and he got out there and he looked at the waves. And rather than seeing the Lord, he saw the waves and he sank. Uh, and we see this over and over again through Scripture. And that, that lack of faith, those very things, cost them the rest that they could have experienced in entering into the promised land. It was only a short journey. Forty days travel, they say. I don't know for sure, but forty days travel, they say, from Egypt into the promised land for that crowd in that time. And yet they spent forty years doing it. Because they failed to trust. Faith brings rest. I'll tell you something, Christian. You need rest in your life. It's trust that you really desperately need. Faith in God and a faith in His Word. Faith brings obedience. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4 says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witnesses that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. 
We see a great example of faith in those who followed Lord Abraham, who followed God. All those who, the Hebrews chapter 11, that great hall of faith, who trusted God and obeyed God. Yet in Numbers, we'll see because they failed to have faith in God, they also failed to obey God. You know, the, the element that brings obedience in the life of a Christian is faith. It is faith. If you trust him, you'll follow him. If you don't, you won't. Right? We've got our pool in our backyard, and each one of my kids, as they've gone to swim, I'll be out there in the water, and they'll come to the edge, and they'll get on the edge of the water, and I'm trying to get them to jump in. And it takes a while. They stand there. For some of them, it takes a while. Some of them just right at it, right? But most of them, they stand on the edge. Come here. I'll catch you. I'll catch you. And they look at you. Finally, finally, they jump in. And they're still nervous, but they're trusting someone to catch them, right? You know the key to surrender is faith? Isn't it? They'll surrender to do what I ask because they trust me. You know the key to surrender is this. It's just trusting the one you're surrendering to. It's this fact that I am willing to trust God. He says, submit myself unto him. He said to present my body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. And so I am. I'm just going to trust him and surrender and follow him. What cost them their obedience was their faith. They failed to trust God. And because they failed to trust him, they walked in disobedience to him. And, and I tell you this, where God calls us, if you will follow God, it will require faith. That's why without faith, it's impossible to please him. He'll ask you to go. I, I think of that. The, the Bible says in the book of Jeremiah, and he talks about this very things that we know the thoughts that he thinks towards us to give us an expected end. God has a purpose to us. He promises us life and life more abundantly. And we know that he promises those things. Yet so many times when confronted with an issue and confronted with the call of God, we wonder how really abundant that life is and how really how good his thoughts are towards us. Now, we may not verbalize it, but it's what costs us our obedience when it comes to God. Will he really deliver? The people of Israel came up against the Jordan River, and the question was, will he really deliver? And because they didn't trust him, they disobeyed him. It cost them their rest, and it cost them their obedience. I will tell you something, Christian. Your faith will determine your obedience to God. They are not separate. They go together. We see that in this book of Numbers. Faith brings rest. Faith, faith brings obedience. How about this one? Faith brings growth. Doubt brings stagnation and backsliding. It was 150 to 200 miles from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. A journey in that time of 11 days. They spent 30 days in Kibroth. That means they spent 40, day, 40 years on a journey that should have taken 40 days. Walking turned to wandering. They were walking on a journey. They should have been walking to the promised land, but instead they ended up wandering and stagnating and dying in the wilderness. Faith brings growth. Doubt brings stagnation. Friend, you're either growing or you're going backwards. Hebrews 11, 8 through 10, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. There it is again, that word obedience, because he trusted. And he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promises in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham 
Talk about a difference between their forefathers and the crowd. Abraham got up and obeyed God. God said, Abraham, come with me. And Abraham got up and went, not even knowing where he was going, he went. God said, follow me, and he got up and went. Yet this crowd, God even told them where they were going, told them the land that they were going to have, the victory he was going to give him, had it clearly in sight and doubted him. And a result of it, rather than walking towards God and seeing the victory, they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. I believe this. Some Christians are just wandering. They're just wandering through life till their time is up. They're like the 40, those folks, 40 years in the wilderness, just wandering about, just trying to survive life, just trying to make it through. Just one day, I'm just, just trying to make it through life. I'm just trying to survive it. No real purpose, no real passion for the reason they're there. They're just wandering. And others are walking somewhere on purpose to serve their Savior and to follow Him. And the difference is faith. The difference is faith. You go to Genesis and you can see the ruin of man. You can go to, to Exodus and see the redemption of man, how God brings us out. You can go to Leviticus and see the sanctification of man. And it is in Numbers that we see the walk of man. We will walk by faith and not by sight. And the question is for me is, will I walk toward what God has for me, trusting him and following him, obeying him, surrendering to him, or will I just wander? Will I come to my Jordan rivers and say, ah, I don't know about it. I don't know about crossing over on this issue. I don't know about trusting in his provision or the victory on this. I'm going to go back to thinking the way the world thinks. Their philosophies, their reasoning, the way they do it, or will I just simply trust God and to continue to move forward for God? Numbers reminds us, the just shall live by faith. I would have rather been with Joshua and Caleb in the book of Joshua than with this group of people in the book of Numbers. How frustrating it must have been for Joshua and Caleb, right? Can you imagine? It's like God just went, pause. And for 40 years, they were stuck. You know, I love Caleb, the story of Caleb. It's, it's like he got his vengeance, didn't he? 80 years of age, he came in and he said, I want that mountain. Where the Anakins are, those giants up there. The guys that everybody was afraid of, that's where I'm going. I'm so mad. For 40 years, I got stuck over there because people didn't believe that God could give us the, those giants on that hill. Now you give me those fellows, I want where they live. It's like, Gen like Caleb came out. I love the verse in Corinthians where it talks about tearing down strongholds, but it also says to bring revenge on a, on a disobedience. It's like Caleb said, I want my revenge on the disobedience and the doubting. Give me that mountain right there. Of course, he marched towards it in faith and God gave it to him. For 40 years, walking in circles because they failed to trust their God. And so God calls us, live by faith. It'll give you a rest that the world can't provide, that rest that only he can give. It'll give obedience as you trust him. And friend, it leads to growth in our Christian life. But when we doubt, we find stagnation, we find disobedience, and we find turmoil because we fail 
to trust. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for the scripture, for the word of God. And Lord, I, I don't know what specific area someone might be facing tonight when it comes to faith. Maybe it's just trusting in your word and some promise or some struggle you brought them against. Or maybe, Lord, I don't know what it is. That's between you and them and the Holy Ghost. But I pray that as you've challenged us tonight to trust God, that we would follow you by faith, that we wouldn't be caught up doing the wandering. We would be walking purposefully to the things that you've given to us, to the promises of God, to the claimings that claiming the scripture, walking in obedience to your word and the call of God in our life, but that we live by faith, Lord, and not by doubt. Heads bowed and eyes closed. And let me just ask you, first of all, how many of you could say, preacher, I know that I'm saved. That's a settled thing for me. And I know heaven is my home. If that's your testimony, would you raise your hand just between you and I and the Lord? Thank you. You may put your hand down. Is there anybody say, preacher, I'm unsure of that matter of my salvation. I don't know where I'd spend eternity. And but I want to trust in him tonight. Is there anybody like that? You'd raise your hand and say, Preacher, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Let me ask you this then, Christian. How many of you say, Preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart in this matter of faith? And maybe very specific. God spoke to your heart on some specific issue. Maybe just in general, God said, How much are you going to trust me? If you say, Preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart this evening, would you just raise your hand as a testimony? And would you stand with me as that pianist begins to play, as, as God has spoken to your heart? The altar is there and open, and I don't know where God has called you to trust him, but. That's between you and he, uh, you and him. For some of us, it's general. We all know certain areas that God applies to every aspect of each of us. But some things at times it's a specific call of God. But where God has called you to trust him, why don't you surrender to him and just walk in obedience and trust him. But as the pianist plays, do business with the Lord.